Good morning. How's everybody doing? I am not Tim Harris, in case you haven't noticed. My name is Jason Dunbar. I am the youth and young adult pastor here at Woburn Baptist. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Pastor Tim is away for the weekend with his wife, and, and so we just pray for them as they travel, as they just get some rest and relaxation. I'm really excited um, for this opportunity to share this passage with you guys. We're going to be looking in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And it's just been really exciting to, to, to read this and then and kind of reflect back on where God has brought me personally in, in, in my journey and my wife and I's journey. Um, we talk about COVID a lot lately, right? We talk about the pandemic a lot. We talk about everything, how everything has changed, how things have been so uncertain. To say that the last 18 months have been full of uncertainty is, is a complete understatement, right? Um, it, it's, we live in a world where, you know, Every day there's something new, you know, another tragedy, another political event, another natural disaster, it seems like almost every day, if not multiple times a day. And, and the uncertainty is just, it just abounds. But if we look pre-COVID, we hear that word a lot, if we look back before all this started, our, life was hard already, right? Life was already hard. And then the, the pandemic and everything else has just kind of just compounded that stress and that anxiety and, and everything in life just seems to be so uncertain. But the thing is, when we think about those moments or those seasons, those however long they are uh, of uncertainty and struggle, those are the times we learn, right? Those are the times we really begin to see things happen. The truth is, we don't really learn a lot when things are going well. When things are just kind of smooth, we just kind of ride it out, and we don't tend to learn much. Uh, our oldest daughter, Charlie, got a scooter uh, maybe last year, six months ago, and she, of course, when she got it, she was excited to learn how to ride it. And as you can imagine, she fell a lot at the beginning, and she would fall over, and I would say, well, you know not to do that next time. And then that didn't help her. It made her mad at me. But um, <laughs> I wanted her to understand that's, that you, you have now eliminated one way you know will not work, right? And, and, and it seems silly, but she learned what not to do. And in the process, she began to learn, okay, if I don't do that, but if I do this, maybe I can figure this out. And eventually she learned how to do that. It was frustrating. She got frustrated and it, I'm sure it hurt when, when, you, when you fail, but, but you learned what not to do. Um, and so the, the pain, the, the struggle, the uncertainty of that process led to her learning how to ride that scooter. And she's just zipping around the, the driveway all the time now on that thing. Uh, so when things are fine, when things are going well, if she just jumped on that scooter and learned how to ride it, she wouldn't, she would have known how to ride it, but she wouldn't have learned anything through that process, right? So when it comes to our faith, it's kind of the same thing. We, we tend to think just when we look, about, look through uh, the world and look through our lives, we tend to think, okay, when a struggle comes, when, when difficulty comes, tribulations, those are going to be the most trying for my faith. In reality is the, the most dangerous moments for our faith is when things are going well. Those are kind of the moments we tend to drift away from God because we think, okay, I got this figured out. God, I'll, I'll catch you in a few minutes when things get rough, but right now I got this figured out. And so we kind of just do our own thing when things go well. And then when, when the struggle comes, that's when we, we're, we're, our faith is tested. Caitlin and I, my wife, have been here for a little over four years now at Woodburn Baptist. And... Um, and, and many of you know our story since we've been here. You know, you know what has happened in our lives. Some of you know what has happened to us leading up to this point. Um, and for most of you, you probably think, well, since you've been here, you've been expecting a baby pretty much all the time. And you're, 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 you're right. That's honestly kind of how it has happened. But you don't know, a lot of you don't know the, the years that came before that, what led to that point. Um, you see, when Caitlin and I got married about 11 and a half years ago, 
<clears throat> we had big plans when, you know, she chased me down and chased me down. Finally, I said yes. Um, and we had these big plans um, of adopting. And we had talked about this together. We had dreamed about this before we even met each other. This was just something that was part of our plan that we, we, we hoped and wanted to do. Um, and so we had these, these, this kind of laid out. We we're both planners. We both kind of tend to, to have things. We want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, those kinds of things. Um, so we thought, okay, well, we'll get married. We'll, we'll start our family, have a couple biological children, and then we'll adopt. And that's going to be our story. That's going to be our plan. That's what we're going to do. And um, so we did. We got married. Felt like we were kind of living that fairy tale. You know, we loved each other. We both loved God. We loved serving God. Um, and life was good. And, you know, we were just kind of just coasting along. Uh, kind of heading toward the plan that we had laid out. Um, but then, um, about a year after um, we decided to start growing our family, nothing was happening. We weren't, being, we weren't having any success. And um, so we, we thought, okay, it's been a year or more. We need to figure this out. Maybe something's going on. Sought medical advice, um, medical expert opinions. Um, tests were run. All of these different things were referred to fertility experts all of this stuff, and so we eventually began the process of, of receiving fertility treatment. Um, and so this was, um, you know, a year and a half or two years of, a, of, of, a, of uncertainty at this point in our lives. Um, we continued this treatment for several months, um, and, and some of you probably have experience with this, but you understand that um, it was just wreaking havoc on Caitlin's body. It was extremely painful. It was difficult for her, and, and just watching her go through that and experience that and without any success... Um, we, we, after a period of time, we, we just decided, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to really pray about this because I don't know if this is what we should be doing. Uh, so we just prayed really hard, and, and it was just like God said, no, you know, you need to just stop. You need to take a, take a breath, back up from this process. Um, it, we were in that point where we had been so desperately praying to God. We had grown so much closer to him in that period of darkness and uncertainty that when we, when we both heard that, we, we knew, okay, God says stop. Stop this treatments. That's not what we're not supposed to be doing this. Um, so we stopped those, and and a, several months later, to our surprise, we were pregnant. Um, we just didn't, you know, we we didn't expect it. We didn't know what was going on, but we were so excited. Um, you know, we got to go and, and and see the baby and 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 hear the heartbeat, see the heartbeat, and see all that stuff, and get the the pictures and all of that stuff. And we got to do this big reveal to our parents. This was right right almost at, at Thanksgiving, getting closer to the holidays. We thought, okay, Christmas comes, we're going to reveal this to our friends and our and their extended family. It's just going to be so exciting. And um, it's like our fairy tale had just kind of picked back up. We thought we just you know life was going where we wanted it to go, and um, but it came crashing down uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, something wasn't right. We knew something wasn't right. We rushed to the hospital and um, discovered that we lost our, our baby. And um, that, now, looking back, I mean, and, and, and having gone through that experience, I know that we are not alone in that experience. Countless people experience this. But in that moment, we didn't know that. Um, it's not something people talk about, and I don't understand that. Um, I, 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 in that moment, I felt, we felt shame. We felt embarrassment, but most we felt devastation. We felt heartache. We felt the most alone that I have ever experienced in my existence on this earth. And the darkness just overwhelmed us. And um, the truth is it would be years from that point on before we were able to even be pregnant again. We continued to try to live our lives as normally as you could um, while we were carrying this on our own. Um, 
but the, the, the amazing part of the story, which I'll expand on in a little while, but we, we grew so much closer to each other and to God during that, that time. And, and the truth is because we just had no control and we needed God to take control. And so that period of time, that period of darkness was the, probably the most growth I have ever had in my spiritual life. Uh, throughout that following year, we continued to talk about adoption. We continued to talk about uh, what we thought we could do and we shouldn't do. And one of us would think, okay, yeah, it's time. And the other one wouldn't be ready. And it would, we'd be frustrated throughout all that. And, and it seemed like what is, what, this is never going to happen. And, and it was one December night. We were actually at a youth conference. And we weren't even with each other, like in, in, the, in the room. We were separate in different areas. Um, and it was like God audibly spoke to both of us, walked up to us and tapped us on the shoulder and said, better get ready, your baby is, is, is being prepared. And, um, and it was one of those moments, I've heard about it, I've, I've heard people share about it, and, and Caitlin and I, when we came together that night, I could see it on her face, she could see it on my face, we had received the same message from God. Um, and then just hearing each other talk about it, we knew God was telling us, it's time to begin that process of adoption. Uh, we didn't have a clue what that looked like, um, and so that January we began researching and it really just kind of went to warp speed. Uh, within a few weeks, we began the actual process, the paperwork, and almost nine months to the day that we began that process, we flew to Utah to meet our baby girl um, in the hospital. And, um, and to look back on that period, that season um, of our life, I could see now how God moved mountains I can see now where he was working, where I was so distracted by the pain and the uncertainty. Uh, he moved restrictions that shouldn't have been moved. He moved uh, uh, mountains. He placed people there that, that, if I were to explain it to you, it would not make sense. People came out of nowhere that had the specific expertise that we needed in those moments. He moved financial barriers for us. He did so much more than I could ever explain and, and the thing is, we were, we were just living with uncertainty, but God was very certain. So it would be another three years from when our, our first child, Charlie, was born before we would actually become pregnant again. And that was when we were here at Woodburn, about a year after we arrived, uh, we found out we were pregnant. We were actually beginning the process of adopting again, um, and um, we found out we were pregnant, and um, we had Lucy, and then, as you know, we got pregnant again, and <laughs> about uh, we had uh, our, our son Bennett, who's just turned four months old, a couple days ago. Um, I learned more about God's grace and God's healing and God's perfect timing in that season than um, you know all the years of my life leading up to that point. Uh, but the problem was I couldn't see God moving in the process. I just had to lean on Him uh, and trust that He was working all things out as they needed to be done. So that's where faith is is, is difficult, right? Having faith is great. Building faith is hard. Um, we know, as, if you're a believer, you know in your mind and hopefully in your heart that at whatever point, God is going to you know, work this out as it should, but it's that process, that in-between where we struggle, right? Because it could be a, an hour, a day, a week, but it could also be years before it comes to a point where we're like, okay, I can look back and, and I can be at peace so the question I want us to talk about this morning is, what do we do now? When, when life is uncertain, when life is difficult, what do we do until the peace comes? What do we do? That's the question I want us to kind of ponder throughout this message. When life is uncertain and difficult, what do we do until the peace comes? What are we supposed to do while we wait? 
while maybe the job that we're waiting on hangs in the balance or our lease is running out or our funds are, are drying up or when this deadline is approaching, what do we do now? And, and, and we're going to look at this passage in Philippians chapter 4 that really just kind of walks us through that. It's one you've probably heard many times before, and, um, but I want us to kind of really dig into it. And, and before you think, okay, well, yeah, this is, this is Paul, this is the Bible talking, and, and yes, they struggled, but they don't know my struggles. Your, your struggles are unique to you. I get that. They're very unique to you. But Paul, let's look at the author here. Paul knows a thing or two about struggle, right? He knows what it's like to, to have difficult moments and difficult seasons and uncertainty in, in your life. He was nearly stoned to death. He was whipped, arrested, shipwrecked, snake-bitten. Lots of things happened to Paul, and he was in prison. And, and so he understood uncertainty. And so, yes, your struggle is real. My struggle is real, and it's difficult, but so was Paul's. So we can learn a thing or two from what he has to say. So let's look at this passage. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for being present with us this morning. And right now, I pray that you help us to open up this passage to hear exactly what you've brought us here uh, to experience and to hear and to learn from you, God. We just love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So Paul begins this, this passage, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord, right? Or always be full of joy, depending on what your translation says. Now, before you start thinking, okay, I, I'm struggling right now. I can't really rejoice. Let's look. He's not just saying rejoice. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. He added those three words there. And, and so when we say rejoice in something like rejoice in your new job, rejoice in that new home, rejoice that you got that second date, rejoice that you figured whatever this, this difficult situation is out, you would understand that, right? You would understand that you're rejoicing in something. So you would, it would be something that you're so excited about that somebody asks you and they say, what, what are you so excited about? Well, I got the job or we got the house or, or whatever. So you're so excited you're rejoicing in that. That's what we're called to do with God. We're rejoicing in him. He's saying that we need to take the time that's necessary to kind of soak in who God is. Soak in the joy and the emotion that comes with God's grace and with God's mercy. And stop and allow that reality of who God is kind of sink in into our, into our heart and into our life. And, and feel that, those emotions that come with it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He's telling us, do it again and again, however many times it takes for you to understand that God is for you. Rejoicing in God is not just about celebrating the wins and the good moments, right? It's about feeling the emotions that come as a result of our salvation, whatever those emotions might be. We should be excited to share you know, what God has done in our life, even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of struggle. We should be sharing what, what God has done. Just like Paul was you know, imprisoned, awaiting certain death for years, you know, he was still celebrating what God has done. He wanted to send this out, these letters to all these people to encourage them. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget who has brought you this far. So we rejoice in our uncertainty. Then Paul goes on in verse 5. Let your gentleness, let your character, let your reputation, let your integrity be evident to all. He's saying that, that hard times have a tendency to do what? They bring the worst out in us, right? 
Struggles bring the worst out in us. But he's telling us, don't let these trials, you know, wear down your, in, your integrity or your character. Keep watch over your temper. Things are tough right now. Things are hard right now. And, and it may be hard to keep it together, but your joy is, is dependent on, on God, not on good circumstances. Your joy, if it's dependent on circumstances, it's going to diminish every struggle you have. Andy Stanley said this, your character is the result of what God has done inside of you. And so we don't need to allow what God has done inside of us to be diminished because we are struggling. Don't let circumstances in your life dictate the way you treat other people. Don't let them dictate the way that you respond to situations that are going on in your life. You don't have control of all situations, right? We can't control those as much as I love to control what's going on around me. I cannot control those situations, but I can control what I say, and I can control how I act and treat other people. You've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they wear their feelings on their sleeves. Um, I tend to wear my emotions on my attitude. And um, you can ask my wife, and she will definitely probably... Um, uh, confirm that, but it's always been a struggle for me to keep um, whatever's going on in my mind from coming out in my in my demeanor. Um, I tend, I'm an internal processor, so if it, if it's a good or a bad situation, whatever it is, I'm working it through in my head. And in that time, in that process, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to think about anything else. And so if if there's other, when you have three kids, there's other things that are going to come up. You don't have time to sit and think through a situation, right? So, so I, there, are, there have been seasons and times where I just get frustrated or I get upset. And I found that while we were in the midst of those dark, that dark season of our life and we, we were struggling with, with loss and heartache, um, I was just so angry. I was so sad inside. I didn't know that. I didn't really know what that was. I didn't know. I knew I was feeling some things. Um, but the thing is, it began to show up in my life. Um, but here's the important thing I want you to remember. You don't have to go through it alone, right? First of all, if you're a believer, you have Jesus Christ with you every moment of every day, walking you through everything that you're experiencing. But in addition to that, we have each other. Caitlin and I found we could not simply just carry our struggle alone. We, we couldn't do that and still be the examples that we needed to be. We were really going into a dark place in, inside of each of ourselves and, and I couldn't continue effectively serving as a, as a pastor while, while keeping this struggle inside. And so we prayed about this, and we, we just decided, you know, it's time to just be transparent. It's time to, to, to talk to our church about what we're going through. And when we did, it was like a weight was lifted. Now, we were still struggling. It did not take away the struggle. It did not take away the pain. But suddenly, we weren't alone. And, and we realized that there were so many people who have experienced the same story that we were experiencing and had wisdom and could help us through it. There were also people who were going through it right then that we could walk with them through it. We didn't know the answers. We didn't know what it was going to look like, but we could be there with them and, and journey with them. And suddenly that, that, that feeling of just loneliness kind of dissipated. We began to realize we are not alone and allowed us to, to be comforted and it allowed us to actively comfort as well and allowed others to who were struggling silently because of whatever that stigma is about that kind of situation that they could begin to to un, unleash and unload some of that loneliness as well see there's no need to struggle silently there's no need for that because we we're a family so don't let your personal struggles erode the character that God has given you as a reflection of who he is but then here's where it gets really hard verse 6 Paul starts out, don't be anxious about anything or don't worry. That is so much easier said than done. Am I right? Yeah. 
<laughs> when people tell us not to worry, it just makes us mad, right? You know, they come up to you and, and they're like, it's, it's okay, don't worry, don't worry about it, it's all going to be fine. And, and they mean well, but it does not help, does it? It does not help. So many good intentioned people uh, approached Caitlin and I and they told us, don't worry, it's going to happen for you guys. You know, or, or don't worry, you're going to have a house full of kids before you know it. Or, or don't worry, so-and-so went through this and look at them now, they got like 35 kids. And, and they meant well. They, they really did, and honestly, they just didn't know what else to say. I get that, and, and, but, but I just wanted to scream at them, you don't know that. You don't know that. You can't tell me it's going to be okay, right? We can't tell each other it's going to be okay. We know that God works all things out, but we don't know what that looks like, and we don't know when that's going to come, but we can tell you to just lean on Jesus right now. Just be there for each other. And, and again, they meant well, and, 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 and the, the truth is, yes, we, we wanted to have children, but we were also mourning the loss of, of a child. We were, we were needing that time to mourn, and we didn't know how to process that. We didn't need people to just tell us not to worry, because then it felt like, well, maybe we shouldn't be worrying about this. Maybe we shouldn't be mourning or, or processing this, but we did need to do that. It doesn't help to tell people not to worry, and it's, it's, again, it's not like they haven't thought of that. It's like, oh, oh, okay, okay good idea. I'll just quit worrying. No, that's, it's, we can't just stop worrying. It doesn't work that way. So Paul begins this with don't be anxious about anything. But then he goes on. He knows that's not good advice on its own to just say don't worry. But he's telling you what to do instead. And so he goes on in these next couple of verses. And he really gives us this really key advice I want us to lean into. How to face difficult times. He says don't be anxious about anything but. He's telling us what to focus on instead. He says, but in every situation, so every situation, whether that's a, a job situation or a marriage situation or a, a relationship situation or a roommate situation, a school situation, a fraternity, sorority situation, a, a tragic situation, whatever the situation it is, it can be applied. This can be applied to it. So instead of being anxious, focus on this. Every time you are overcome with stress and anxiety and, and, and all of this kind of wells up inside you, replace it with, it, with this. He's not, saying, he's not just saying don't worry. He's saying that while you wait for a resolution, while you wait for the pain to begin to subside, while you wait for peace to come, replace your worry, your anxiety, with this, he says, in those moments of anxiety, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, most of us will probably read that and will think, okay, instead of worrying, just pray. Yeah, okay, well, that really helps a lot. And then you're thinking, of course, I've been praying for years. I, I know that I should be praying, right? That's not helpful. But look at it again. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we understand those things, right? But look what he says next. Present your requests to God, or tell God what you need. The word here actually means to reveal. He's not just asking God to, to, to give what you want. He's not saying just you ask God to give you what you want. You know, please God, let me have this job. Let me get this job. Please God, let, let him call me back. Or please God, let these test results be positive. That's, that's surfacy and there, there's nothing wrong with them. Those are fine prayers. But Paul is encouraging us to spend some time here he says, instead of worrying and being anxious, think about how much time we spend worrying and being anxious. If we take that amount of time and spend it here trying to figure out why are we worried and anxious, understanding ourselves and, and actually revealing to God what it is that you really, really want deep inside. Yes, you want this job, that's great, that's, but why? What happens if you don't get that job? If, if you want this girl to call you back, that's great, okay, but what happens if she doesn't? 
You want so badly to become a father, that's, that's great, but what happens if you don't? What is driving this request? Times of uncertainty bring about our deepest insecurities and our greatest fears. We typically don't really pray at this level, right? We typically stay, kind of stay at this little surfacey level. You know, God, this is what I want. Thank you, amen, let's go on. But Paul is saying, no, stop here. Let's spend some time here. That kind of prayer is not going to get you through real struggles and, and real anxiety. Paul is saying to get on your knees and face God and tell him, this is what I want and here's why I want it. And, and, and this is what I'm afraid is going to happen if this doesn't happen. Paul is, is, is really encouraging us to stop and lean into this. In other words, he's saying through prayer and petition, you know, get past all of the surface issues, explore where our heart is. What is driving that concern for, for that job or a house or a relationship or, or whatever it is that you're looking for? What is driving that concern? Is it security? Is it a need to provide for my family? Maybe it's, it's a need to feel important. Maybe it's a desire for my kids to, to look up to me or a, a fear of just being lonely. Paul says explore all of that. Explore all of that. Spend time digging in to that deep, dark part of our heart to figure out what it is that we really want. Why are you so anxious? What's underneath all of that? And then spend time there replacing that worry and that anxiety with a conversation with God about those deepest, darkest fears and desires. And then when you do, here's the, the kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel. When you do, verse 7, then you will experience the peace of God peace of God, right? Not the peace of good times, not the peace of good circumstances, because those are temporary. It's the peace of God, and it says it will guard your heart and your mind. What does it mean to, to guard your heart and your mind? Well, to guard means to, to watch over in order to protect or to stand watch over. The reason that we are so worried the reason that we are so beaten down with anxiety is because we have not allowed God to stand guard over our hearts. We keep trying to send God out to stand guard over these situations and these circumstances that we have no control over. And instead of asking God to watch over our hearts, right? We want to send God out to watch over our job and our home and our family, which are all great and good things. And of course, we want God to watch over those things. But it does nothing to help us in those times of uncertainty when the world is out of control. What if you learn to pray in such a way that no matter how much uncertainty abounds and no matter how long it lasts, that you still find peace? Paul is saying that in these times, that's what we do. We pray until peace comes. And it's not just the idea of, yes, God, please get me through this. It's really getting on our knees and, 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 and understanding what is going on in our hearts. You know, it's, it's, it's not praying until our circumstances change, right? But until we have peace, and, and that even if these circumstances never change, that we are held in his hands, and that's okay. See, we may never get what we want, um, but when we spend time praying to God, and, and we say this, you know, God, here's what I want, and here's why I want it, and here's what I'm afraid is going to happen if I don't get it. And maybe the reason that I'm so afraid is, is maybe I've never really learned to fully trust you. Well, that's praying, right? See, we, we, we need to get to what is going on between us and God. That's a prayer that will begin to, to train, change your anxiety into peace. Because you've gotten down to the issue. 
when you learn to trust that God has your best interest at heart no matter the circumstances, then you're going to begin to experience that peace that transcends all understanding, that peace that nobody can understand, right? People are going to look at you and see all the crazy stuff going around you and your life seems to be falling apart and you're looking like you're okay and they're thinking, okay, that person, they're in denial. No, the thing is, you're just at peace because you know God's in control and you're not. And while you might still, and you will, have these moments or these seasons, these periods of sadness or pain and heartache, you still have peace because you know that God is working all things out for good. And, And you're not okay because the world or anything around you has changed. You're okay because you've changed. C.S. Lewis says, I learned that prayer isn't about changing God. Prayer is about changing me. Um, So I asked you a question at the beginning. When life is uncertain and difficult, what are we supposed to do until the peace comes? Well, we're supposed to pray. And I know that that is so simple and it just seems like another church answer. But I don't want you to just pray. I want you to pray. I want you to get down to what's going on. I can tell you again, when I look back at those years of our life where we were just facing darkness and uncertainty and just not knowing what the next day was going to bring, those are the moments I learned that I I don't trust God like I thought I did. I grew up in church. I grew up in, 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 in learning about it. I knew what faith was. I knew what all that meant. And I have faith in God, and I knew God was, was going to watch over me all of my life. I knew all of that. But I had never really experienced the depth of, of that lack of trust that I had until those moments. And, and, and I don't um, you know, want to experience that kind of pain again, but I honestly can say that I'm so thankful to have gone through that to be where I am with God now. And, and so here's how I want you to, to think about praying this through. Um, here's how we can pray. First, God, I need blank. What is it that you, that you need? God, I need you to help me find a, find a house. I need you to, to help me get this job. I need this person to call me back. I need you to fix this relationship or this situation. God, I need blank. And then add this. But God, if you don't, I'm afraid of what? What are you afraid of? What are your deepest insecurities? Begin with the thing that you're most worried about and just talk to God about it. Then tell him why it is that you want it and what you're afraid is going to happen if you don't get it. And I'm telling you, in the midst of that darkness, God is going to be able to reveal to you things that you never, ever thought possible. And and, and the thing is, the, the, the peace that begins to come over you doesn't change those circumstances, but it just seems like it's, it's okay. And, and I can't explain it and it, because it transcends all understanding, right? I can't explain it. I can't explain feeling the, the, the most, uh, des, you know, deepest desires and, and feeling pain, but still being okay. And you still feel that. And so you're kind of, you're okay, but you're still feeling that darkness and that sadness and that struggle, but you're okay. It just doesn't make sense, but it transcends all understanding, and, and so, I, I, again, as I've, and I'm sure any of you who have ever been through tragedies or, or difficult times in your life, you can look back and, and say, I hope I never have to experience that again. But I'm so thankful for what I learned through that process. We learn when things are difficult. So allow God to 
to teach in those moments of your life. When times are difficult, and, and I promise you they will be in our lives, we are called to pray until the peace comes. Just pray until the peace comes. Will you do that this morning? God, we love you so much. We thank you that you are in control in the midst of uncertainty, that you are always going to be there no matter what, God. And we thank you that in, in, in the process of, of, of pain and heartache that you provide healing, you provide an education in who you are and what you are capable of doing, God. I thank you so much for what you have brought me through. I thank you for what you have brought every person in this room through, God. And I pray that you help us to navigate whatever struggles, whatever difficulties might be facing us right now, God. I pray that nobody feels alone. And if they are struggling or, or dealing with something, that they would be able to, to talk about that, God. But most importantly, right now, I pray that you teach us how to pray until the peace comes, God. To tell you what it is that we want or that we desire but most importantly, figure out what will happen if that doesn't come about. So that we can lean completely and fully on you, God. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.